Good morning, friends, and welcome to MRCC on this fine morning. My name is Brent, if you don't know me or recognize me. Uh, I am our, our online campus and media pastor here at MRCC. I just, I do want to say... You're welcome, because I was the one who made him do it. He did. Yeah. You know, there's been some nasty rumors going around that this was a result of, of Pastor Greg chastising me the last time I did announcements. I want to put those to rest. It's just because I wanted to look like Ryan Seacrest. So yeah. um, that's it. <laughs> that was really funny. That's, well, Great. I stole it. Greg made, made a mention this morning. But anyways, uh, and, and you are. Oh, my name is Tyler. I'm the youth pastor here at MRCC. I wasn't here last week because I went to Texas. Texas? Did you eat some barbecue? It, I did. It is flat and brown. Like, that's all you need to know about Texas. I'm, I'm being 100% serious there. Yep, absolutely. We have a couple of announcements for you this morning to share. The first one is that Band of Brothers, our monthly men's uh, dinner, hangout, get-together, is going to be happening tomorrow, and that's going to be in the kids, the new kids building again. Uh, we had it there last time, so if you were there, you will remember where it is in there, and it was a, it was a fantastic time. Um, we are going to be having that tomorrow at 6.30 here at the church. Uh, dudes, it is a great place to come hang out, eat some good dinner, uh, hear a good word, and just spend time with, with guys chatting and hanging out. So the best parts of Band of Brothers are just the time that we get to spend sitting at a table with some guys, maybe even some guys that you don't know already getting to know them. So it's a fantastic opportunity to come out and just hang out and connect with other guys. Yeah, also coming up on Sunday, March 10th at 6 p.m. is our annual business meeting. It is the uh, boring part of MRCC. Uh, aside from Sunday mornings. I'm kidding. I'm Ooh, kidding. Ouch. I'm kidding. No. Now Tyler's uh, going to have to cut his hair. I know. Uh, but it is a time for, for us to just uh, go over the financials and everything like that. And if you're a member here, um, we are going to be voting on some new board members. If you want any information, more information on that, uh, we do have hard copies at the guest center. Other than that, there is more information on the website. But Sunday, March 10th at 6 p.m., Yep, and we, we tend to keep those pretty short so you don't have to worry too much about it taking up your entire evening. So you're definitely going to want to make it out to that. Uh, also, ladies, we didn't forget about you. There's a women's conference that is coming up, and that is going to be on March 10th at 6 p.m. Nope. Uh, sorry, I was looking at the wrong one. That's the one you just said. Yeah. It's going to be at Stone Church in Yakima, Washington. The day, or Do they have the dates up there? Yes, there we go, the 15th and the 16th of March. Um, ladies, this is going to be a fantastic opportunity to, to hang out with other gals, to get some fantastic uh, word spoken into your lives and into your hearts and to fellowship. So you can register and find out more information on the website at mrccnow.org. And unfortunately, I won't be able to, to tag along to pad the numbers this time. I'll be found out immediately, I'm sure. So It's the beard. <laughs> it's probably the beard, yeah. yes. Yeah. Uh, coming up, uh, can you believe that Easter is right around the corner? It is crazy how early it is this year, and so for Easter Sunday here at MRCC, uh, because we are so full, uh, we added and changed the times around a little bit. It's going to be 8, 9, 10, and 11. Um, those are going to be our Easter services, and then also on Good Friday, which is March 29th, uh, we're going to have a Good Friday gathering at 630 p.m. here in the sanctuary. There's only one of those, and so I encourage you to get here as early as possible because people from second and third service like to attend that as well, and so it will be very, very full, and so we just want to invite you to that Easter Sunday uh, and Good Friday. 
Absolutely. And last but certainly not least, on March 22nd, that's right. I got the right date this time. On March 22nd, we have our Family Connection potluck that is coming up. Some of you might remember the Family Connection lunches that we were doing. This is similar to that. If, if you just want to come bring your family, get to know some other families in the church, another way to, to just connect and to build relationship with people, this is a fantastic way to do it. It's going to be on March 22nd at 6 p.m. Uh, you can find some more information on that uh, on the website as well. We'd love to invite you out to that. Also, if you're joining us for the first time, uh, we just want to invite you to fill out a Connect card. Uh, if you want to take your phone out and just fill out the barcode and the seat back in front of you, sorry, QR code on the seat back in front of you. Um, it's just an opportunity for you to join a team, join a group, or anything like that. Also, if you're new with us, please don't feel obligated to do that. We just want you to have the opportunity to know more about what is going on here at MRCC. If you want to open your Bibles this morning, we're going to be in First Corinthians. There it is. There you uh, I don't know what chapter it was, though. Chapter 12. Chapter 12. Yeah, 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 there yeah. Do you ever think to yourself when you watch these guys that you remember how hard it was to be young? Do you ever think about that? Yeah, 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 yeah. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks for, for keeping us on top of things. Church, would you, uh, would you pray with me? Would you bow your heads? Father God, we come before you in this moment together giving thanks. Lord, communion is that reminder of all that you have done for each one of us. Lord, you've washed away our sins you went to the cross for us, and we're grateful for that, and we thank you for it, remembering that you said you'd always be here when we come together. So thank you for that, Lord. We come to you, as your word says, praying for our nation, God, asking that you would redeem her, that you would bring her to repentance, God, that you would teach us to turn away from wicked leaders and to seek your kingdom above all else. And God, we pray for our kids this morning in Kids Church. Lord, we recognize how important that is. And, and we thank you for all those who are serving right now, volunteering to care for kids. Nothing more precious in your sight. We ask your blessing on every teacher, every classroom. And then we just ask you, Holy Spirit, to, to quiet our hearts, to wash away our distractions that we might hear your word together this morning. God, we think of all those who've been wrestling with sickness. Boy, a lot of people have been sick. We pray for healing. We thank you for testimonies of healing. Speak to us as we open your word together. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. It's great to be with you, church. It's good to be here. And as we're gonna learn uh, this morning as we finish this Set Apart series, God does powerful work in our gathering. You know, sometimes it's, it's easy to take for granted or to forget all that he does inside of us every time we come together for worship, but it's real. The Bible says that we literally live on it. We subsist on it. So it's good to see you this morning. It's good to be with you, and I hope that you'll take time to open your heart, practice hospitality to those around you, make sure nobody feels lonely or, or unwelcome. First Corinthians chapter 12, we're going to finish this set-apart series that we started six weeks ago this morning. You remember that we said at the beginning that God has called us. God has called us, you and me, to be different. We're not supposed to be like the rest of the world. 
in some very specific ways. And we've been, we've been exploring those ways over the past six weeks. You know, there's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of peer pressure as human beings that we experience to conform to the world around us. But Jesus says, I don't want you to do that. It's important that you don't do that. And we've, we've talked about that over these last six weeks. This morning, we're going to kind of bring that full circle into 1 Corinthians chapter 12 because the reality is that God has called us. God does call us. God is calling us to come together as his family and be his church in the world for a very, very specific reason. So, you know, part of the fun of a great relationship, a great friendship, a great marriage is when you get those opportunities to help each other. You know how you feel when you get a chance to, to genuinely help a friend or when you get a chance to help your husband or your wife or your kids. There is a profound satisfaction that we experience way down deep when we have an opportunity to help. Uh, I, I know that I feel that when my wife comes to me and she says, hey, could you open this jar for me? And I say, yes, that's what we men were made for. <laughs> Give me that jar. And then I demonstrate my strength to her by opening that jar and giving it back to her and saying, I'm, I'm here for you, baby. Yeah. I'm being silly. But you know that there is a satisfaction when we can genuinely help each other, guys, gals, all of us. But sometimes, sometimes we get helping wrong. I love the story about a husband who was watching his wife get dressed for work one day, and since her birthday was just a week away, he asked her what she wanted for her birthday. Looking at the mirror a little wistfully, she said, I'd love to be six again. So the next Saturday, which was her birthday, he planned the whole day out. And it, he told her he did, and it began in the morning when they got up, he made her a big bowl of Lucky Charms, tuned the TV to cartoons, and once she'd had breakfast, he whisked her off to Six Flags Amusement Park, and they rode every ride, the Death Slide, the Looping Maniac, the Tilt-A-Whirl, the Screaming Monster Upside-Down Roller Coaster. They had ice cream and McDonald's Happy Meals for lunch. And on the way home, they stopped by the city park to climb the monkey bars and play kickball. And the day still wasn't over. Then it was off to a Disney princess movie with cherry soda and her favorite candy, peanut butter M&Ms. And at the end of the day, they staggered home and she was looking a little sick to her stomach. But with a big grin, her husband said, well, honey, you said you wanted to be six again. How did you like it? And slowly, a look of understanding came over her face, and she said, I meant my dress size, you goober. <laughs> I wasn't talking about being six years old. You know, sometimes, despite our best intentions, we get helping wrong, you know? But you know that in that moment, she was feeling how hard he was trying. She was feeling his heart. And even though, you know, sometimes we husbands can be dumb as rocks, nevertheless, the wives feel that. And, of course, vice versa. And it applies to friendships and everything. Sometimes we get helping wrong. But even when we do, it's still a win. Because it's the thought that counts. Because it's the spirit that happens in those moments that matters so much. And in the same way, church, in the eyes of God, 
in the very same way, when we live together in community, when we give ourselves to being his church, when we say to ourselves, individually and collectively, we are the family of God, we are the church of Jesus, when we own that, we make God visible through us. We make God tangible through us. And so Jesus calls all of his followers, all of us, to understand that we are called to be his church. Not merely to attend his church, not merely to affirm his church, but to be the family of God. You know, to put it another way, we are made to be a we even before we are an I. Here's how the Bible puts it in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Listen, let the Lord speak to your heart. God says, now you, you, us, you are the body of Christ. That is a statement rich with meaning, deep with profound significance. You are the body, the living presence of the Son of God. You are the body of Christ. And each one of you, is a part of it. We're going to unpack that whole idea here for a few minutes this morning. John grabs onto the same idea when he says one of my favorite verses over in 1 John chapter 4, verse 12. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. And this morning, God, our Father, wants us to hear his call to be his family, what that means in our hearts, what that means in terms of what we do with our hands and in our life together, the choices we make day to day. Let's look at this larger explanation in 1 Corinthians 12, beginning with verse 12. The Apostle Paul says this, the body, anybody, your body, my body, the body, is a unit. Though it is made up of many parts, it's got all different pieces to it, components to it, members to use the old King James word. It's got all kinds of separate parts, but it forms one body, separates your arm, your leg from your body. You can't call that your body. It's only together that those things form a body. And though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is, catch this church, with Christ. So it is with Jesus for we were all baptized by one spirit into one body. Whether Jews or Greeks, whether slave or free, doesn't matter where you came from, doesn't matter who you used to be, when you believed you were connected, you were born again, you were baptized, to use Paul's reference here, into a new identity. And that new identity is as the body of Christ. And in that, we are all given one spirit to drink. The idea is that just as your blood circulates throughout your, your earthly body, so as we are pulled together into the body of Christ, his spirit circulates through all of us. This is a deep and profound idea. So it is with Christ. You know, often we are uh, caught by surprise when Jesus, towards the end of the Gospels, says to his disciples, it's good that I'm going away. I can just feel and hear them saying, no, it's not. We want you to stay forever. He says, no, no, if I go away, then the Spirit will come. I will come as the Spirit, and I can be in you and among you, not just beside you. I can connect with you more deeply. And that's the idea that the Apostle Paul is expounding on here, that God is saying to you and me. 
We were all baptized by one spirit into one body. When you receive Jesus as your Savior, please hear this, church. Please hear this because it is desperately necessary that we hear this in our day and age. When you did that, when you believed, and when you were born again, you gained a new identity. And it supersedes all others. The, the others remain. We still carry all sorts of roles in families, in friendships, at work, and so on. We still have other identities, but this one rises to the top. Before you and me are anything else, the Bible says we are followers of Jesus Christ. We are sons and daughters of God. We are Christians. And that overcomes every other loyalty. We are not first Americans. We are not first Chinese. We are not first conservative. We are not first liberal. We are not first country music people. We are not first rock and roll people. We are before anything and everything else. Christians, followers of God, members of his body. I remember when I went into the Marines and growing up in our culture, I thought of myself as an individual. That was the way I, I made all my choices. That was my attitude. That was my function. There's me and there's everybody else. And, and I thought of myself very much individually. But one of the focuses of boot camp is to grow you out of that individuality, to teach you what it means to be a we. We had to learn that None of us succeeded unless all of us succeeded. And that was a shocking discovery. You know, I could do everything right in my own little world with my own bunk, my own business. I could get it all right, my uniform, my behavior, my attitude. But if the guy, three guys down from me didn't, then we collectively failed. Boy, was that hard to own. But once we did own it, as we began to own it, this profound new identity emerged. And suddenly, 90 of us could walk with every boot striking the ground at the same time. And every time we were given a task, we didn't each as individuals say, well, what's my part? We said, what's my part? But what's your part? Okay, can I help you with your part? And this whole new spirit emerged over the next three and a half months. By the end of it, we knew that no matter what challenge we were given, it was our calling together to make sure all of us succeeded at it. It was really a, a life-changing experience. And God wants us to understand that to an even greater degree, that's what he's doing in us as his church. That's what he's doing in us as believers. He calls us to accept one another and to include ourselves and to think of ourselves. As the body of Christ. Now that phrase is specific and as I said a moment ago, filled with meaning. Before we unpack it a little more, understand this. Human nature, sinful nature, is to seek only those people who are like us. And we want to gather around ourselves because of our insecurity, because of our self-consciousness, because of what theologians would call our pride, psychologists would call our ego. We have this tendency to gather around ourselves only people who are like us because we feel better, we think, in those kinds of gatherings. And so when we're older, we tend to want to gather around older people. When we're younger, we tend to want to gather around younger people. If we have certain ideas about certain things, we only want to gather with people who share those ideas, who share those tastes. But here's the thing God says. That's a road to diminishing yourself. He says, no, no, no. What I want to do with you, Greg, is I want to connect you to a lot of people who are different than you. 
That was another experience that I had in the Marine Corps. You gathered with these guys from all over the country. It was the ultimate melting pot from every background and perspective. And at first, you know, you would tend to think of groups in certain ways. Those guys are city guys, so they're no good at this. They're only good for that. Those guys are country guys, blah, blah, blah. You have all these. And then those preconceptions get melted away as you begin to understand the value and the strength and the insight of each of those different groups. In the same way, God says, I want to melt you together sons and daughters. I want to make you this new we because as I do, you will be increased. You will be made more than you were. In other words, catch this church. God has made you and me diverse on purpose. Let me say that again. God has made you and me different on purpose. He, he doesn't like everything the same. He likes diversity. You know, we live in a time when that word diversity has been co-opted to mean something silly. But the reality is that God made us unique and different on purpose so that when we blend together, catch this, so that when we blend together, as we blend together, we experience more of him than we ever could as individuals. That's why, again, John says, when we love one another, God is made visible and his love is made complete in us. I have a friend who says to me, he said this several times. I've known him for many years. He says, you know, sometimes I come to church on Sunday morning. He says, I look around. And I think so many of these people are so different than me. I say, sometimes it's weird that I'm a part of them. I said, no, to my friend. I said, that's exactly the way it's supposed to be. Because in our differentness, our eyes, our hearts are open to more of God than we would ever experience if we just got together with people like us. You know, one of the things that I often encourage my fellow pastors to do, though, sometimes um, I've, I've had this happen many times, a, a fellow pastor will say, you know, we're thinking about having a, a service for the seniors, and then we'll have a, a separate service for the younger folks, and then another service for those in middle age. I say, don't ever do that. You're defeating the purpose. You're you're defeating the purpose. Those of us who are old need to have our hearts and minds changed by those who are young. Those of us who are young need to be edified by those who are older. God knows that there is more for each one of us inside of our diversity. So he calls all of us to say, I'm not an individual checking in to a, a, a gas station of the spirit weekly. No, no, no. I'm part of a body. I am part of the presence of Jesus in my world today. So it is with the body of Christ. This is why the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, each one, everyone, should use whatever gift he or she has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. You get the idea. As we participate, each one of us, in the body of Christ, what flows through us into other people is the grace of God in its various forms. As we do that, that happens. Each time we gather, friends, you and I must understand that we are making the spirit of Jesus visible to each other. That we are making the spirit of Jesus visible to people who maybe are are coming in from the outside. Each time, the way we live together makes God visible, reveals God to the hearts of those around us. So so gathering like we have this morning in the church, this is a sacred, profound, holy, it's the answer to the world's problems, and I'm not just being hyperbole. You know what would happen in Gaza if both sides 
came together to worship Jesus and said, we are sons and daughters of God. You know what happened in Ukraine and Russia and Myanmar and Sudan and fill in the blank? Yeah. Do you know what would happen between Enumclaw and Buckley if we just saw each other as brothers and sisters? But you get the idea. It's a big deal. Now, I remember when I worked in the inpatient drug and alcohol ward for a year when I was in the military. Got very involved in that whole 12-step. was my assignment for that year. And, and one of the things that would happen is we would have patients sent to us who were struggling deeply with drug and alcohol addiction. And, and they would come in, and it was a, a six-week-long program, very intensive because it's a military setting, so they have control over you more so than in a civilian setting. And, and we would gather together, and first thing every morning... Everyone would come into the main room. There would be a big circle of chairs. We would sit down. And then when the bell rang at 8 o'clock in the morning, everybody would stand up, make a circle, and put their arms around each other and pray the serenity prayer. You're familiar with that, right? That's how the day would start. And there was this experience that I learned to watch for every morning and that was that each Monday morning we would have every week we got a fresh group of people in four five six new people and they would kind of see everybody headed to that big room and they would see the circle of chairs and they would kind of follow along and it was a point that nobody who was already there would tell them what to do on their first morning instead they would kind of follow the crowd and they'd come in they'd sit down and then the bell would ring and everybody would stand up and put their arms around each other and pray this prayer well inevitably what would happen every week is that, you know, one or two of the new people would just kind of go with the flow and be included in this really kind of tender moment to start the day. But there would always be a couple, three, four of the new people who were startled and caught off guard. And when everybody stood up, they would stay where they were and look around, what's going on? And then they would wait for somebody to invite them to be part of the circle. And it was a point of curriculum that nobody ever would. Because what would eventually happen on one of those mornings, whether it was a few days or sometimes a week or two weeks later, is that person would eventually know that moment was coming and they would include themselves. And it was beautiful and it was part of their healing. It was part of their recovery. In the same way, we gather every week and God says, I wonder if this is the morning that Greg will include himself. I wonder if this is the morning that Bill or Cindy or Helen or Mike will say to themselves, I am part of this body. I am one of this body. I am the family of God. I'm a we more than an I. That's what God is calling us to, church. That God is calling us to be different in, the, in, in that very unique way. Why? Because when we do, God is made visible. Other people experience God through our serving through our unity, through our spirit, through our behavior, through our life together. He makes himself visible. And this works both ways, by the way. Not only does it enable others to experience God, it enables us to take in his life more deeply. Look at what Paul goes on to say in verses 14 to 17. He says, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it wouldn't cease to be part of the body. Notice, it has a weird attitude that's out of touch with reality. But nevertheless, reality endures. If the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body. Sometimes we say that to us. I'm not a public person. I'm not a platform person. I'm not an extrovert. I'm an introvert. I'm not an introvert. I'm an extrovert. I'm not a singer. I'm not a prayer, whatever. 
God says, no, 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 you are all those things because you are part of the body. Because I am not an eye, I don't belong to the body. It would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. And then if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? Church, God wants you and me to delight in our differentness. Do me a favor. Turn and look to your neighbor right now and say, I've noticed you're a little different. Go ahead and take a, take a moment to say that, right? Yeah, that's on purpose, right? That's on purpose. It's supposed to be that way. Because then when in our differentness we come together, you know, just imagine the travesty of a body that's all legs. <laughs> I remember when our, our little border collie was about nine months old. She was like four legs and two ears and there was nothing left. There was nothing else there. And she was gangly and it was funny looking and she would trip and stumble. It was hilarious. And then as she matured and grew into herself, the body proportioned out. And all of a sudden, every part fit together. People are always saying, you have such a beautiful dog. Yes, yeah, because we're such great dog owners is what we say. But anyway, yeah, there's this whole thing. that goes. In the same way, church, as we embrace our diversity, as we embrace it, other people experience God and we are nourished by it. You know, um, my wife has, as you know, I said this many times. It's an incredible knack with kids. She's a Pied Piper for small children. Wherever we go, they glom to her. And sometimes I've said to myself, I need to be more like that. And so I'll see a small child and I'll go up to them and I'll kneel down right in their face and say, hi, I'm Greg. They get this horrified, terrified look on their face, right? I do not have her knack, but she does. And together we are more than we would ever be able to be apart. See, here's the thing, gang. Gosh, we're, we're moving fast this morning, but in our diversity, we discover our real identity. Only when we embrace the differentness that we represent do we discover our place in the whole of the body of Christ. First, we have to embrace the diversity. Then we discover where we fit in it. You know, I remember years ago, I, we played basketball a lot when I was in Moscow, five, six days a week, and a lot of good players would come out in the summertime when the students were gone. And there was even sometimes former college and NBA players that would come out. And there was this one guy, his name was Brian Quinette. He played at Washington State. Then he played for the Knicks in the NBA. And now he was done with all that. And he would come out and play summer ball. 6'8", 260, giant guy, right? And uh, he was on my team one day and we're playing. And and uh, there was a shot and it was missed. And me, all six feet of me, I'm running back to grab that rebound. I'll never forget what he did. He put his giant hand in my chest. He said, stay out of here. I'll grab the rebound. He said, that's what I do. He said, you run down court so that I have somebody to pass to on the break. I'll never forget. It's a big old hand in my chest. Stay out of here, guard. This is forward and center land. I was like, yeah, you make a good point. Because my chances of getting that rebound compared to his were, were nothing. In the same way, God wants us to grasp that we each have a unique role to play in his church. And, and, and listen to how passionate God is about this. Look at verse 18. The Bible says, in fact, God has arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. In other words, we're different on purpose, and he's called us together. Here at MRCC, whatever church we call home, he calls us together and blends us together. And the nourishment works both ways. Listen again, the eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. But here's, here's another key point before we get into the home stretch. If each one of us 
doesn't kind of own this identity. If each one of us doesn't say to ourselves, I'm part of the body, instead we kind of hold ourselves apart, we remain more I than we, then what happens is the body is actually limited. The body of Christ is actually limited. I remember when I was in college playing soccer and we were playing at Gonzaga one weekend. And the only time I ever was forced to come out of a game, I was always trying to be the tough guy. No injury could stop me. And in the middle of that game, I went up for a header in midfield and another guy went up at the same time and he drove his knee straight into my thigh harder than I've ever been hit except for that motorcycle wreck last year, but harder than I've ever been hit. And he knocked me down. I crashed to the ground and you know, my attitude was always, if you go down, get up immediately. So I crashed to the ground. I rolled over. I bounced up and I fell down again. I was like, well, that's weird. And so I jumped up again and I fell down again. My right leg literally wouldn't function. It was like a noodle. <laughs> I, I, I said, well, get yourself off the field, Greg. So I tried to get up and walk. I couldn't even walk off the field. I couldn't stand up. They had to come out and put me over their shoulders and carry me off the field. That's humiliating if you're a guy, if you want to know, all right? But here's what I found out later. The doctor told me after the game, we went to see him, and he said, Greg, when, when he drove his knee into you, a giant hematoma formed inside of your leg along the bone. And he said, Here, here's what happened. Blood could no, no longer get through that to your muscle in order to use it. And he said, as that bruise dies down, your, your leg's use will come back. Well, in the same way, when each of us doesn't understand that we are all part of his body, then the body is limited Certain parts of it don't work as they should. That's why Paul is writing to the Corinthians about this. That's why the Holy Spirit is speaking to us as a church. Each one of us is called to be his body so that the body is healthy and strong and people can experience Jesus through us because that's who we're called to be. Paul wraps it all up where we started in verse 27. He says to us, he says to you and me, now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. This is a big deal. God wants us to feel it, to own it, to heed it. As Hurricane Harvey pounded Houston in August of 2017, there was massive flooding across the city. And a pregnant woman went into labor with complications and needed to be rushed to the hospital immediately. But the apartment complex that she lived in was part of an area that was flooded waist deep. And she didn't have the ability to get out to her car. Even if she could have, she couldn't have driven it. There was no way to get to the hospital, but it was a crisis situation. And the water was flowing rapidly through this particular neighborhood. So it was actually not safe to even wade out into it, although... You know, some people did, some always do. Well, her neighbors in this anonymous apartment complex slowly became aware of her situation, you know, just shouting down the hall and hearing what was going on, what's happening. And pretty soon, a team of people from the apartment complex, some knew each other, some had only passed each other in the halls. But they formed a human chain, and one of the guys had a dump truck that he drove to work. They pulled it around in front because it could handle the current. And then they formed a human chain and passed her down it to put her in the back of the dump truck. I'm sure that was cool. And to, to take her to the hospital so that the baby could be born safely. And afterwards, when a news reporter found out about it and came to interview, they said it was one of the greatest days of our lives. We discovered together who we are as an apartment company. This is going to change how we live together. 
in this little apartment complex. Yeah, absolutely. God wants that for us. God wants that for his church. Everybody belongs here. We don't separate by culture or race, politics, age, gender. If a person has accepted Jesus as their savior, then you are us and we are a we. The only question is whether we know that or not. And again, the reason God's so passionate about this because he wants to make himself known through us. You know, the really cool thing, we're almost done this morning, the real cool thing is that over the years, over the last 17 years, I've got to hear again and again, every time we do these baptisms, often in between when I have conversations with people, I hear the stories. They said, wow, you know, we came to MRCC three years ago and people just seemed nice and friendly and we got to see a few people and make friends and there's somebody was always serving and we became believers here in the midst of all this. God spoke into our lives. And every time I hear that, I think, yeah, Jesus is alive and well in Enumclaw and the Plateau. He's a little reluctant to go to Buckley, but he's alive here. <laughs> and then I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You get the idea. So what does this look like? Well, briefly, as we close this morning, it means that we reject the consumer mentality about church. You know this in your head. Can I invite you to embrace it in your heart? When we go to a store, we ask ourselves, what can this store do for me? But it's different when we go to church. We don't say, what can I get here? We say, what can I give here? How can I give my heart in hospitality to the people I encounter there? How can I give my prayers? How can I give my finances? How can I give my time? How can I serve? How can I make the body of Christ healthy? We don't come to get, we come here to give. We've already been given everything, eternal life. Talked about it last week in inheritance. So when we come here on earth, we come to give. Instead of asking, here's what we often kind of default to doing. How am I doing in my spiritual life? When you're a grown up and mature believer, you'll say, how are we doing? How are you doing? How can I help you? We stop worrying about ourselves because we know that Jesus is our Savior. Instead of asking, what do I need? We say, I wonder what somebody else needs from me this morning. Church, as we own and grasp this, every Sunday morning becomes an adventure. Some of us know this. I see you. I watch you. You understand that you come to church not to get, but to give. And you live it out by your attitude and your spirit. God says he wants us all to grasp that because when we do... We make him visible to the world around us. Here's how Paul writes about it in Philippians 2. He says, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ, who being in very nature God, didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, took the nature of a servant, being made in human, uh, human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. In other words, he said, my life isn't about me. My life's about the people I can serve, the people I can help the people I can encourage. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that's above every name. And he goes on to say, do everything, Greg, without complaining or arguing so that you may be blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which, catch this, is where we circle back to the beginning, in which you shine like the stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life. In other words, as we own this reality that we are the body of Christ, as we understand that God has called us to be his church, his presence in the world, then we shine like stars in the universe as we hold out the word of life. So let me ask you this morning, are you a we or a me? Do you still think of yourself as an I or do you think of yourself as part 
of the body of Christ, as part of a body of Christ. When we choose this attitude, here's the last thing I'm going to say. When we choose this attitude, it creates us. Let me say that again. When we choose this attitude, it creates us. It renews us. It transforms us. It makes us into people we sometimes despair of becoming because we're so focused on ourselves. But when we become a we, God sets us free from that. Let me finish with a story. Malcolm Gladwell in his book, Outliers, tells the sad story of Christopher Langan. Christopher was a genius. His tested IQ, catch this if you know about IQs, was 195. Now, if you know, let me give you a reference point. Einstein's tested IQ was 150. This guy's was 195. During high school, Christopher could ace a foreign language test by skimming the textbook for two to three minutes and then be able to take the test and pass it. He got a perfect score on his SAT, even though he fell asleep at one point and snored through 35 minutes of it. 195. You say, wow, what did he do with that? Well, that's why Malcolm tells the story. Nothing. He did nothing with it. He spent his entire life working part-time as a cleanup boy in a horse barn in rural Missouri. Despite a million invitations and opportunities, he never availed himself of any of them, never achieved anything, never even made any close friends. Why? Maxwell writes, because Christopher always insisted on being alone. He would never make himself part of a group. He would never surrender his superiority in order to be part of a group of people. But no one, not rock stars or professional athletes or software billionaires or geniuses or followers of Jesus, nobody can realize their gifts all alone. It's only when we are connected to other believers that we begin to experience that reality. And so God invites us, God calls us to recognize that we are the body of Christ. Once a year, we have a special Sunday, it's today, and it involves the we card that you'll find in the seat back in front of you. Can I just invite you to maybe take that out if you don't mind, take a quick look at it. We do this once every year, usually in the spring. And what it is, is a simple opportunity for you to say, hey, I wanna be available to my church, to help out, to serve, to be a part of meeting a need, I want to be available. And I want to invite you to consider this morning maybe filling out that we card and then leaving it on your seat when you go this morning. Please know that by filling it out, you're not committing to anything. You're simply saying that, hey, we can give you a call and talk to you about maybe volunteering or serving in some part of the church. You don't need to do that to fulfill what God is talking about here. It's just part of it. But understand that as we serve together, as we make this human chain for people who are far from God, then God works through us. And he wants all of us to be a part of that. I wonder 
if you would maybe fill that card out, leave it on your seat, drop it by the guest center. And all you're saying is, hey, we can give you a call. We can say, hey, could you help out in this way? You're free to say no. You've got a schedule. You've got responsibilities. But it's as we come together that God has made visible in us. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Lord, we thank you for your word this morning. And we, we feel the call of your spirit deep in our hearts. And God, many of us have been living this out for a long time. Some of us haven't learned it yet or we've forgotten or we've wandered and become distracted. This morning, Holy Spirit, I ask you to call us back to this greatest of all identities that you've given us. You say that we are your body in the world. Lord, help us to be that with our whole hearts. We pray for that this morning. And use us, we ask God, to reach those who don't know you yet, to help those who are struggling. Use us, we make us a blessing. Even as you promised Abraham, we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Would you stand with me, church? It's great to see so many bouncing back from the flu, bouncing back from uh, a week off. It's good to be with you. Let the Lord lead you in this. Now may the love of God the Father, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of his Holy Spirit go with you throughout this week. Go with God. Tell someone you love them. Have a great afternoon.